Uh, I woke up this morning and I was thinking, right, you know, um, what do I what do I share with you guys? And uh, the question I came up with is, in these days, who can I trust? Who can I trust? And I think this is a big issue. It's an issue in this time. Uh, just before we start, let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. And uh, we thank you, although we're not able to gather in person in the stables, uh, Father, that we're able to gather and share together over Zoom. We're able to break bread together. And Father, we thank you for the times that uh, um, we live in, Lord God, very uncertain times and lots of challenges. But these times uh, are ordained by you and they're set in your time clock. And Father, although we might feel sometimes like things are out of control, God, uh, we understand that you are in control. And Father, I pray that you'd really lead us and guide us into this next season uh, in the future. I pray, Father, that you would give us the wisdom to not take uh, uh, unprofitable steps to the left or the right, but Father, you would keep us on the straight and narrow track. Father, we just give you thanks this morning in Jesus' name. So the question is, is uh, who, can I, who can I trust? And as I said a moment ago, this is a really big issue in our time. Uh, there are so many forces at work uh, that are really uh, bringing about, uh, you know, uh, the present environment, the present uh, crisis in the land. There is a virus and there are lots of other forces apart from that. There are political forces, there are economic forces and there are cultural forces. And... Uh, not only that, there are so many voices and you've got to uh, be able to uh, figure out, you know, what do I listen to and who do I listen to? So there are many voices and they seem to shout to us persuasively. Uh, there are so many positions that people hold on issues uh, that are polarizing. And I think particularly in the, you know, uh, the last couple of years, this is a situation that uh, has emerged where you know, people hold a, uh, a strong view in a particular place and uh, it can become very a, a divisive one. And, uh, you know, we're seeing it in recent times, the, uh, I guess, the protests on our streets uh, through, in cities throughout the nation. And, uh, you know, there are probably two strong views amongst Christianity. One, you should not protest. And the other one is that it's your responsibility to protest. And these are both very strong positions. And there might even be, uh, you know, the uh, issue of, say, for instance, the vaccine. I've heard people say, well, you must have the vaccine. It's the only way we'll uh, move forward. And then I've heard other people say, well, you must not have the vaccine. And I, and I think, uh, you know, uh, we need to be careful when we have discussions like that because everybody's got to be able to work it out for themselves and decide what is right for them. I don't think there's any definite uh, uh, either way, but you know you have really got to listen to God and uh, you've got to figure it out. And I think in our church and in, in the realm of Christianity, we need to give people a lot of uh, grace 
you know, in this realm, uh, because it really is, uh, you know, their decision. It's no one else's decision. Uh, but it's just one of the issues that's coming up. And, uh, you know, uh, it raises the question, you know, who do I trust? Who can I trust? Who should I follow? Who's got the answers? And it's important because our system of belief uh, can be shaken in times of crisis. Like I would say the last, um, you know, 18 months uh, has been the most massive crisis globally that we've seen. And so many different forces, so many different elements to that argument. Um, it's not my job to tell you who you can't trust. Uh, you've got to figure that out. Uh, you know, you've got to work it out for yourself. But you need to understand the times. And, uh, you know, the sons of Isaac, they knew the times. They un had understanding of the times. They knew what to do. And I really pray that God would just continually give us understanding of the times, that he'd give us wisdom, that we would know uh, what to do, that we would be really well tuned into uh, the voice of the Lord. But this is the time. So I just want to read in Romans chapter uh, 1, uh, because the times that we live in are very changed, very different to uh, you know, times that we were raised in, for instance. And uh, just a minute, I'm just going to Romans chapter 1, and I want to talk about this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they uh, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Now, this is Romans chapter 1, 18 to 25. And we know that, uh, you know, the letter was written to the church in Rome uh, and it described that culture. But also, if you look at it now, it speaks to perhaps our entire generation. Uh, and, you know, to every generation in between then and now that there has always been a tendency to disregard God and to exchange the truth from a, 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 for a lie. But it seems to be full on in full swing in this generation. And, you know, the opening song at the Olympics was uh, Keith Urban and uh, 
the song Imagine, Imagine no, there's no heaven, no hell. And it's sort of like, uh, you know, uh, an anthem uh, for people who really believe that, uh, you know, God is not the way to go. And this chapter of uh, uh, Romans 1, 18 to 25 is literally what is happening, where the truth is being exchanged to a lot for a lie. And I really believe that very much describes uh, the time that we're in. But I want you to know this morning that there is always a, uh, an answer and there is always a right answer to every one of life's most important questions although at times it might seem that things are very great. In times of crisis, who should I listen to? Here's a couple of verses this morning. Mark 4.24. It says, take heed what you hear and with what measure. It's amazing. Take heed what you hear and with what measure. You know, have you ever heard of it says, well, you, you know, you've got to take that with a measure of salt. And it's like we hear what we hear. There's so many voices and there's so many forces. Uh, but here this word now is so relative to us. Take heed what you hear and with what measure. I know that in recent times, you know, uh, when things started to break out last year, uh, I tuned in to, you know, see what was going on and on, and then it went on and on and on. And now I just do not turn on the news because it's not, it's not good. It is not, uh, it's not what I need to be listening or, to all the time. And, you know, we do need to be aware of what is going on in the world. We need to be informed and we need to be on it. But we need to take heed what we hear and, and what measure. In other words, what amount. So, so, so you know, we need to know what uh, is, is coming at us. Uh, but we don't need to be in front of the TV set every day being mesmerised by what the, new, the news that is coming at us. Of course, this, uh, this scripture actually comes out of the parable of the sower. And, you know, when you read the parable of the sower, uh, you will understand that there is uh, the seed and there is good ground and there is... Uh, there is uh, uh, you know, bad ground, as we read the principles in the scripture, we also know that there is good seed and there is bad seed. And the, and the you know, the information that we bring into our life, uh, we need to take heed what we are hearing uh, because we can give ourselves to a certain source of information and that information is not exactly the truth and we can become uh, you know we can become sidelined taken off track by that so uh, mark chapter 4 verse 24 it says take heed what you hear and with what measure in luke chapter 8 verse 18 it says take heed how you hear for who for whoever has will be given more 
And, uh, you know, this, this is a real important thing because um, we need to take heed how we listen. For instance, this morning, as you listen to what I'm saying, you also have a responsibility to take heed how you listen. We need to be able to discern what is accurate and maybe what, you know, is not so accurate. When we listen to any source, we need to take heed how we listen. And I pray that God would give us the grace of how to listen. I believe in particular when the word of God is being spoken, there is a right response that we can give that's pleasing to God. Let's, let's just talk about some uh, Bible verses about this issue. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, You live in the midst of deception, and in their deceit they refuse to acknowledge me. Jeremiah 9, verse 6. Isn't that a powerful verse and a very appropriate verse? It says, You live in the midst of deception. In their deceit, they refuse to acknowledge me. I believe it's our culture today. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it zeroes in a little bit more and it talks about, uh, you know, uh, the individual heart. And it says, the heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand it or trust it or, or discern it? The heart, the human heart is deceitful above all else. So me, left on my own, to my own devices, uh, can get into a lot of trouble, create a lot of trouble, because the natural state of the heart is that it is deceitful above else. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 19. In the New Testament, there's some important verses about this. Number one, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 12. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, if you re actually read the verse, it is day with a capital D. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come first unless the falling away comes first. And, uh, you know, I really believe now that we have lived uh, in a time where many have fallen away. You know, many have drifted from the foundations, maybe still in church, but already they've drifted. Uh, and, and the statistics globally in the Western, or at least in the Western church, are that many have fallen away. You know, when the church was uh, closed down last year, not everybody returned. Not everybody came back. Uh, so, you know, uh, before the shutdown had happened, they'd already left in their heart. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come first unless the falling away happens first. Matthew 24, verse 24, also talking about signs of the times, talks about one of the greatest signs of the times that we're living in. It says this, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. 
So, so uh, you know, I don't want to be alarmist or anything this morning. I just do want to say that there's a lot going on in our uh, world. There are many forces. Uh, there are many strong, strong opinions. Uh, there are many people claiming to be the answer and have the answer. I had to laugh during the week because I heard Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, say that her government was the only true source of truth. You know, um, be careful who you listen to and be careful how you listen. But she said that, and that was relating to the global pandemic and situation. I don't believe that anybody can claim to be an absolute source of truth because uh, there's so much politics involved, there's so many economic forces, you know, there's so many personal opinions, there's so many people uh, leading people this way and that. And, uh, you know, uh, it is interesting times. So we really need to pray for our nation and pray for a, a real uh, release of the spirit of truth into our midst, particularly into the church particularly into our own lives. Uh, the, uh, Dr. Jonathan David, my spiritual father, he, he uh, talks about the avalanche of deception that is happening on every level and in every domain. And he talks about it being one of the greatest signs of the times. And it certainly is one of the greatest signs of the times that we live in. So we need to take heed what we listen to. Uh, even if it is our own thoughts, we need to take heed what we, you know, uh, how we are listening. And we need to take heed uh, what, how and who we are listening to. So let's answer the question, what, take heed what we listen to. And I want to give you a couple of thoughts here this morning. Number one, what are we listening to? You know. Uh, out of our 24 hours of the day, what is occupying our mind the most? That is what we are listening to. We really do need to make sure that we are prioritizing during this time to be listening to the word of God. In, uh, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We need to make sure that we are hearing the word of God every day. You know, uh, I don't think it's something that we should be casual about, but it's something that we should pursue. You know, if, uh, if we're struggling to, um, you know, fill our time, one of the things that we can do is, uh, is really give that time to, reading the word, hearing the word, listening to the word, listening to the words of Jesus in particular, because that'll bring great balance and it'll help us bring context to the times that we live in. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing. And sometimes our life can become sort of shut off to what God is saying. You know, it, it's like... Uh, you know, there's so much going on around about us that, that uh, and we can become very anxious and we are no longer hearing the word of God. And that, of course, is what the 
parable of the sower is all about. But we need to make sure that we are prioritizing the hearing of God. You know, there's so much technology now, and you can really get misdirected on your technology. It's a bit concerning when, uh, you know, uh, you have this little thing come up, up on your uh, phone and it says, this day you averaged three hours on your screen. You know, two hours, one hour. But I just want to give you a little bit of a healthy challenge there because how much of that have we spent listening to the word of God? Like you can literally now download apps and you can play the Bible to you. You can take notes of the scripture. You can listen to the words of Jesus. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is such a vital thing for us to be doing, especially when there is so much news. There is so much social media coming to us that is challenging our faith. But we've got to continually come back and rebuild the foundations. Take heed what you listen to. Number one needs to be the word of God. Number two, it needs to be what you need to do is listen to the revealed word, the revealed word. Over the, over the years, you know, God has revealed things to me. And, uh, you know, if you start to push in and reprioritize, uh, you reprioritize listening to God, you'll be fine. You'll find day one, week one, God will begin to speak to you. I tell you, God wants to speak to us. He wants to reveal things to us. He is desperate to reveal things to us. We see there with young Malachi just gave his testimony, how God gave him a dream at 10 years of age, and he felt it so much that he had to kneel down. You know, this is really cool. I think this is just a wonderful, wonderful thing because God wants to speak to us. And, uh, you know, when God reveals his word to us, those things become foundational to our future. For instance, one of the uh, scriptures that, uh, you know, uh, I guess I've built my life around this truth is what it says in uh, Matthew chapter 16 from 13 on where Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And, you know, uh, God spoke and, uh, to, to Simon Peter and he said, look, uh, you know, uh, Peter answered that question, obviously, and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But, you know, when that verse became personal revelation to me back in Wodonga about 36 years ago, 37 years ago, it became such a foundational point for my life that I've been able to build on. Because it's like you're reading through the word and you're listening to the word and then all of a sudden something jumps out to you and it's like God speaking to you. It's like that dream that came to Malachi it was very personal to him. And over the years, God has spoken to many of us in such a personal way. And at the end of the service today, I'd like to pray that really God begins to open that realm to you because it's going to be so much so important in the future. So there's the word of God, there's the revealed word, and there's the prophetic word. Uh, the prophetic word uh, is woven through the scripture. 
And uh, in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 19, it says, We have the prophetic word made more sure to which we do well that we take heed. In other words, the prophetic word, what God speaks to you, what God reveals to you, uh, is it's like, um, you know, on uh, Tuesday night in the upper room with, uh, with Dr. Jonathan David, he spoke about this so well. And, uh, you know, this particular piece of scripture relates back to the Gospels where Jesus took Peter, James and John to the mountain. And there he, uh, he was transfigured before them. And that was part of Peter being prepared for his future leadership, for his apostleship in the church. But here in 2 Peter 1.19, Peter says, and so we have this prophetic word made more sure to which we will do, do well that we will heed. And it is interesting that Jesus, you know, first revealed the church in such a dynamic way to Peter when they came to Caesarea Philippi. And in that place, Caesarea Philippi, it was a place where, uh, it was a place literally where the gates of hell, where Pergamon was situated. And it's like uh, Peter is, Jesus is having this discussion with his disciples with these gates in the background. And uh, he says, uh, flesh and blood didn't re reveal this to you, Peter. And on this revelation, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. So this revelation, you know, God started really just personally to me, speak to me about this 37, 36 years ago as a new Christian. And that has become such a foundation, such a rock in my life because I really believe that God has called us to co-labor to build his church and to be part of his church. And the church in the last days is going to be amazing. But this is what Dr. Jonathan said on Tuesday night. First, when the word comes, it's like a light. In other words, when we're listening, what are we listening to? We need to be listening to the word of God. If we're listening to the wrong things, the light can get robbed from our life and it can become dark. It can become, uh, you know, the world can become not a nice place for us. But here, Jesus said, the gates of hell, they won't prevail against the church, Peter. And this was like a light that came into Peter's life and the whole experience of the transfiguration. But, you know, then as the light begins to grow and develop on the inside, as the revelation begins to grow on the inside, the light becomes a lamp. And I really get this. You know, um, when I first heard that word, because God was speaking to me personally out of it, it was like something lit up on the inside. But as time went by, that word became a more than a light, it became a lamp to my feet and it began to guide my steps. So if we can receive the word into our life, even in times of crisis, 
then uh, the word can become more than a light. It can become a lamp to my feet. And according to this scripture, it says if we hold the prophetic word, it eventually becomes like the morning star rising in our hearts. That something can become so strong on the inside of our hearts that it almost can become unstoppable. And this is a powerful thing because God wants to speak the word to us in such a way that it is very personal, that it becomes first it's a seed onto the inside and the seed becomes a light. The light becomes a lamp and the lamp begins to light up our path and eventually the morning star rises. You can imagine yourself walking through the bush in the night with a light and it's light. It's a light around your feet and it's a lamp to your path, but eventually the morning star rises in our hearts. And then eventually there is a new day that's dawning. And I really believe personally as we carry this revelation, uh, you know, of the church being like that, and we have a collective vision like that, that eventually a new day can rise in our city, despite what happens around about us. You see, Jesus said to the church in Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for the light has come. Even though deep darkness has covered the earth, let my, yet my light is rising on you. Arise, shine. God's speaking to us this morning. So let's answer three questions. The first question is, what should we listen to? Number one, the word of God. Number two, the revealed word. And number three, the prophetic word that is woven through, our, through the scripture and is in our own hearts. So the second part, how do you listen? How do you listen? It seems to me that how we listen uh, just about changes or determines everything in our life. Because here in the parable of the sower, Luke 18 and uh, Mark 4, the seed fell on different kinds of sand. So how do you listen? You know, so firstly, maybe we need to just change some of what we're listening to. You know, if we're too much into social media, if we're too much into listening to news reports, you know, these things can be helpful, but too much of it is not good. And, uh, you know, we open the risk. If we are very given to certain sources, we can be uh, become, uh, you know, deceived. Now, it's not just my opinion. I'll come back to the verse, which I believe really describes the environment we live in. Jeremiah 9, 6, you live in the midst of deception. In their deceit, they refuse to acknowledge him. It's very much our culture, hey? What do we listen to? How do we listen? How do you listen? You know, uh, every one of us this morning is listening to the same message. Some of us could be distracted. Some of us could be frustrated. Some of us could be disappointed. Some of us could have quit believing. Some of us are about ready to start believing again. Some of us are, uh, could be moving into a barren season. 
Others could be about ready to move into a very fruitful season. So how you listen is important. Uh, because the scripture says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. And, you know, during our time, it's very much about our heart. How do you listen? Number one, with expectation and anticipation. Listen with expectation and anticipation. The scripture says, listen to him. Uh, listen, he who has ears to hear. This is very much talking about, um, about how we listen. And the Bible says, how do we listen? You know, sometimes people have got a habit of just not listening. And I really, really believe this is also part of our culture, you know, because let's face it, we're part of a culture, we're part of a society, you know, we're, we, uh, we're connected to a system and sometimes we can become overly given to those things. So we all hold different positions on different things. Some people really, some Christians really believe that Trump was the man and he would be re-elected. And others believe Biden is the man and needed to be uh, re-elected. Some Christians believe same-sex marriage is not God. Others believed in their whole heart that God established marriage between a man and a woman. By the way, that's what I believe. But this is the challenge of the times. How do you listen? You listen with an anticipation and an expectation. You listen. Uh, uh, you, the scripture says, listen who, who has ears to hear. So anticipation is looking, it's seeking, and it is listening. You know, it's other words, it's positioning yourself. It's interesting in 1 Samuel chapter 3, young Samuel was in the temple, but the first verse says that uh, there had not been much revelation. You know, I really believe that revelation has been almost cut off from the church in a way. Uh, it's not that God is not speaking, but it is that we don't listen well. And, you know, during this time, I think it is so important that we develop an, an uh, attentiveness uh, to what God is saying. It's very, very important. Very important. God, I just pray, Father, that you just help us to uh, really connect in with your word this morning. And to really hear with great expectation and anticipation. Because do you know what? The, 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 the word is a light to my feet. It is a lamp to my path. Uh, it is the morning star that's rising in my heart. And it is going to give way to a new day. There is going to be a new day that dawns for me, for you, for our church, and for everyone that is really beginning to tune in really to what God is saying during this time of crisis. You know, it's interesting when Elijah was in the cave, there was a shake, there was a wind, but then he heard the still small voice. 
And this is how we listen. We listen attentively because God wants to speak to us. Number two, we must listen with discernment. We must listen with discernment. Discernment is one of the nine gifts that is mentioned in the scriptures. That is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift given to the church. Discernment is a powerful, powerful uh, prophetic uh, insight that is given to people. Discernment. We need to be able to discern the times. We need to be able to discern what we're hearing. We need to be able to discern, uh, you know, with understanding. It's not looking at something critically. It is looking at something and listening to the spirit of God on the inside. If you have not really been strong in the realm of discernment, God will want to give you that gift. Because it is like a navigation gift. It is like our internal GPS. Uh, you know, discernment is an amazing, amazing gift because sometimes on the inside of my spirit, a lot of people might be saying yes. And the discernment, the gift of discernment on the inside will say no or not now. And it, sometimes it can be very strong, the gift of discernment. It's like if you could, uh, you know, we had two $10 notes and one of them is the real, the real original. The other is the counterfeit. We need discernment to be able to, uh, you know, understand which is true and which is false. And I just pray that every one of us who's connected to our tribe would walk strongly in this realm of discernment of prophetic discernment, of spiritual discernment, of being able to discern the times. Jesus was critical of the Pharisees and said, you can't discern the times. You know, you know the law, you know the rules, but you can't even tell, uh, you know, what tomorrow is going to be like. And he was critical of them. And during, you know, uh, people who have real discernment will be able to have a greater understanding of the times that we live in. And this is not just a, uh, you know, uh, uh, what is it? It's not just sort of something that, well, you know, I'll have discernment. No, it's not. This is something we need. We need to pursue it. We need to draw it into our life. We need to ask God for the gift because there is so much falsehood around about us. You know, we've got to check things. Like yesterday at one of the uh, uh, marches, the protests were on, there's a picture of a man punching a horse. And, uh, you know, if you just take that as face value, you can say all those guys who protested were bad. But then someone else posted a picture of the full uh, thing with a horse, you know, he was really deflecting, not punching. The point is we need discernment. Even if we see both of those reports, the for and the against, we need to have discernment. We need to be able to discern the times, what's going on with the crowd, you know, because there is 
the crowd that is, uh, you know, uh, lost its way. And we need that discernment in our lives. So God, give us discernment. You know, in so much of the information that is coming uh, from both sides of the argument, there's always two sides of the argument, always. There is my side, there's his side, and then there's the truth. So we really need discernment, and we can't have discernment unless we have a real humble heart. How do you listen? You listen with expectation and anticipation. You know, Malachi's expectation and anticipation is going to increase if he keeps just allowing God to train him to hear his voice. Young Samuel in the temple progressively learned to hear the voice of the Lord. But eventually God raised him up into a place of government with a real governing grace, governing anointing that influenced the whole land and ushered in the kingdom of David. Thirdly, we need to listen with a willingness to wait, wait and respond to what God wants. Thirdly, we need to wait with a willingness. We listen with a willingness to wait and respond the way that God wants. You know, sometimes we go to God, we ask God a question and he says nothing. Or we can't quite hear him. We're not quite tuned in. I want to encourage you during this time, give time to wait on God. Uh, one of my uh, favorite, favorite verses is Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and they shall not uh, be weary. They shall run and not faint. Isaiah verse 40, 31. Waiting means uh, uh, it, it's, it implies a strategic effort to connect with God and to braid yourself within the word. Uh, the original render, rendering means to braid yourself as a three braided cord. Isaiah 40, verse 31, with a willingness to wait. I really pray during this week that God is going to, uh, you know, give people a real increase in the, just the awareness of God's voice and to be attentive to his voice because this is the future. And uh, thirdly, uh, this morning, uh, yeah, the next one is uh, let's answer these three questions. What? How? And then finally, who? Who do I listen to? And uh, this is also very important. Who do you listen to? You know, whose report do I believe? Uh, you know, uh, which news source is the best? Who do I listen to? I think we need to be very careful. And the reason I think we need to be very careful who we listen to is that in Jeremiah 9.6, it talks about the age-old problem. You live in the midst of deception. In their deceit, they refuse to acknowledge him. 
uh, I read uh, Romans 1, 24 and 25 says they've exchanged a truth for a lie, which speaks very much about our generation. So there's all sorts of things going on, hey. But who do you listen to? Who do you listen to? Here's a couple of thoughts. Number one, you listen to those that God, uh, who, who uh, God has given to lead you. And, uh, you know, for many of you, that will be not only me, but others around me. Uh, but every one of us needs good leaders that we can listen to. We need good leaders that we listen to. I really listen. Uh, I really listen to Dr. Jonathan David. I really listen to him because, uh, you know, I believe that his life has uh, grown around a certain revelation that I was given that I mentioned before, Matthew 16. And it's like God gave him to me as a leader. But, you know, he's not the only one that we should have in our lives. I listen to good leaders and I need good leaders. Like the scripture talks in the book of Jeremiah about, you know, true shepherds, that God would give us true shepherds. And uh, in my life, although I am an under-shepherd myself, I connect with other men of God that, that uh, uh, have been given to lead me. And this is really important. I think we really need to listen to the fathers of our faith. This is really critical because the devil is in, in the disconnect. You know, there are fabulous fathers in the faith that have been given by God that laid the foundations for us to build on. These are like, you know, apostles and prophets that bought sound doctrine. God opened things up through them. And, uh, you know, uh, and those things are so important, so important for our young people uh, to be able to understand this because, you know, if you've only been on the planet for 21, 22 years, then you only understand life in that context. But I really thank God for my uh, you know, 40 years plus of being able to follow good men of God that laid such a ground faith, uh, a wonderful, wonderful foundation in my life. You know, men like, uh, you know, I mentioned him, Pastor Graham Enright, who was just laid such a great foundation and Lynn and myself in our early days, you know, uh, Pastor Clark Taylor and uh, you know, uh, Ray McMartin and men like this and Dr. Jonathan David. And, and, you know, you would have your men, your women, you know, these fathers and mothers of the faith that have, uh, you know, laid something in your life. Uh, the, you know, what has been given to you before you came to this church is very important. And, uh, you know, back in the early days, uh, our first year in the church in Albury, we did video Bible college. And I used to listen to this guy by the name of Tony Smith. And he was a, uh, a man who migrated here from Holland. And I used to listen to his teaching about the word of God, the basics, the foundations of uh, our faith. And it used to just blow me away. I thought, how could this man know this? And he taught about how he had been taught by the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, when he first came to the Lord. So who do you listen to? You know, we need to listen to these fathers, these mothers in the faith. 
those that given uh, given it you. And you know, the scripture says that uh, there are not many fathers. You know, they're a rare breed. Uh, the scripture also, Paul said, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, with regard to my own leadership, uh, there would be the dimension of me that is Christ, where I'm imitating him and I'm getting it right. But do you know what? There is only one perfect man. And uh, that ain't me, and that is not you. So you imitate me as I imitate Christ, uh, you know, and follow me as I follow to the degree that I follow Christ. I'm just trying to talk about how leadership needs to be modelled and, you know, uh, uh, I'm an under-shepherd. Uh, I, I follow other, I have a spiritual father and I am submitted to other men and women of the faith. Very important. Number two, number two, we need to make sure that we follow Jesus. You know, it uh, doesn't matter who, what church we are in, what denomination, what background, it doesn't matter who discipled us, I'll tell you who we are called to follow, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God, made flesh, who walked on the earth, who uh, uh, showed us, who revealed the Father to us, who died on the cross for us and paid the absolute penalty of sin. Believe me, we are living in a, a nation, uh, in, in a world that is overtaken by deception. But Jesus, he came into the earth and he walked on the earth and he was an invasion of truth into the earth. He was a manifestation of the truth. And uh, he died on the cross for us, shed sinless blood for us. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Do you know what? Jesus died for us on the cross. Now he is risen from the dead. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. That is exactly where Jesus is today. Jesus is ascended from the dead. He is risen from the dead. And the Bible says that he is Lord. And do you know what? The Bible says that if you believe that and you confess that very thing with your mouth, that Jesus is risen from the dead and he is Lord, then the Bible says that you are saved. You are born again. You are his child. I want to tell you who we're following here in the City Builders Church. While we have leaders and we have under shepherds, there is one that we follow, and his name is Jesus. He is the Lord. He's wonderful. He's the most wonderful man that ever walked the earth. He was history's greatest leader. He is a manifestation of God on the earth. In other words, if you saw Jesus, you saw God in the flesh. The Bible says that in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him dwelt the fullness. God was in him. The Father was in him. The Holy Spirit was in him. This is who Jesus was. 
And, you know, this is where we need to be careful that we are not following trends, that we are not following culture, that we are not following mainstream news opinion or political opinion. We need to be informed by those things, but we need to make sure that it is Jesus that we are following. And uh, I couldn't think of anything more wonderful than that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's really interesting why he said that, because in John chapter 14, verse about five, the disciples were so impacted by Jesus' leadership, but he had said to them, I'm going to have to go away. I'm not going to be here forever. And they said, Lord, we don't know the way. How can we know the way? You know, maybe you're in a bit of a space today and you're thinking, gosh, how can we know the way? How can we get ourselves out of this mess? How can we, uh, you know, move into the realm of where we need to be? And Jesus said this to them. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was saying, follow me. But he also said this, that I need to go away. So who are we meant to listen to? Number one, you know, uh, leadership to the degree that they follow Christ. Number two, Jesus. You listen to Jesus. I tell you, Jesus is speaking to us today through this message and through the red writing in the scripture. Spend a bit of time every day reading the red because they are the very words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself and they speak to him today. And those words can be relied upon. We cannot follow the culture of the day. That is death. In fact, the disciples said, uh, you know, uh, in the upper room, you know, uh, or, or just uh, after the outpouring in the upper room, and they said, what can we do to be saved? Jesus gave, uh, Peter gave the instructions to be, to be saved from the perversity of this generation. Do you know what? This generation has become perverse. But if you live in it and you grow up in it, and you're informed by it, you won't even know the difference. But God wants to save us out of it. And Jesus is the way out of it. Number three, we need to listen to the spirit of truth. We need to listen to the spirit of truth. Jesus said, I must go away. He said it in uh, John chapter 17. He said, I must go away and I am going to send you another helper. I'm going to send you the helper. And he said, he is the spirit of truth and he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. You know, when uh, Jesus had died on the cross and he had paid the price of our sin and he's ascended into the heaven, he's seated at the right hand of the father. The most amazing miracle happened. They were gathered in the upper room. They gathered in the upper room. And according to the scripture, they were all in one place and in one accord. And the scripture says in Acts chapter 2, and suddenly where there was a noise of a great and mighty rushing wind. Do you know what happened? 
when Jesus died on the cross, his spirit left the temple. The veil was rent from top to bottom because God used to dwell in the, in the tabernacle, in the temple, in, in the Old Testament. But when Jesus died on the cross, this can be historically proven, there was a great darkness covered the whole earth. It's even recorded in the history of China. But it's recorded in the scripture that the veil was rent from the bottom to the to, from the top to the bottom. It was like God ripped the veil. His spirit left the Old Testament temple, went into the heavens. But now, 50 days later, in the upper room, when the day of Pentecost had come, God poured out his spirit into the upper room. And that became the place of the birthing of the church. The first uh, uh, ordinary believers became the sons and daughters of God. They were born again. They became a new creation. They became the temple of the living God. This is a remarkable truth. And, you know, this morning, as we open our hearts and we determine that we are going to follow Jesus and we begin to seek his Holy Spirit and the spirit of truth literally comes from heaven into our own heart, we can have an experience like they did in the upper room. God wants to bring us right back to this truth. You know, I, uh, I just thank God for every one of you this morning. I thank God that you're here and that you're able to listen to this message. And, uh, you know, we are living in the craziest times on planet Earth. I'd like to say to you, it's going to get better. I'd like to say, I, I just don't know. But it can get better for you. It can get better. You just got to be careful what you listen to. You got to be careful how you listen. And you got to be careful who. Who do you follow? Who do you follow in these days? You find good Christ centered leadership somewhere in some church. If that's around here, you're welcome with us. You've got to find good Christ-centered leadership. You've got to follow the person of Jesus, the risen Christ. You follow him. And one of the great ways is just reading that word and laying it up in your heart. And thirdly, this is amazing because the Holy Spirit is being poured out from heaven into the hearts of men. And if we open our heart this morning, he will come right in. He will live on the inside of us. He will totally change our world. He will totally remove the power of a negative past. He will totally give you a new future. He will totally give you a new future. He will make you a new creation. How good is that? Father, I just pray right now that you would just pour the spirit of truth out on us, on everyone that's listening this morning. I pray, Father, that you would help us to receive your word into, into our hearts, but not only your word, I pray that for the spirit of truth to come and invade us this morning like never before. Lord God, we thank you that you are here, even in this Zoom call. God, we love you. Father, we are crazy about you. Father, it is you. It is your son, Jesus, that we are called to follow. 
And you have given us the Holy Spirit, the helper, the spirit of truth to guide us as we move forward in Jesus' name. You know, just before we go, maybe there are some people on this call who are listening to this uh, and you've never heard, you know, anything quite like this, or maybe you have before and, and you know now is the time to really receive him into your life. I think this is such an important thing. And uh, I just want to give you the opportunity of really coming to Christ for the very first time, really being born again. God is going to do something wonderful on the inside of you this morning. Amen. I thank God for you. I thank God that you're able to tune in. You know, if you don't know me, I just really pray that uh, you're encouraged by this message and I pray that you're doing well. I, I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation uh, and the knowledge of him. I pray that you would have, uh, you know, begin to understand what is the incredible hope of his calling for you. Uh, for those in our own midst, I pray that, uh, you know, if you're feeling low, that uh, this message this morning would begin, begin to just uh, lift you up because God has got a great future for you. Yes, you. I said you. And I believe God wants to speak to you. But to those this morning who want to be born again, would you just do this? Would you would just pray this incredibly powerful prayer after me as I say these words. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message this morning and I want to open my heart to you. I want to follow you. I confess, Lord Jesus, that I am a sinner and that I have failed you. Right now, I am making a quality decision to open my life to you. Come in, Lord Jesus. Fill my heart like never before. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit the way that you did with the early disciples in the upper room. Lord Jesus, I declare that you truly are Lord, that you are risen from the dead and that you are seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. From this day forward, I determine, I decide that I'm going to follow you to the best of my ability. I turn away from everything that the Bible calls sin. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for making me your son, your daughter. I love you and I'll serve you from this day on in Jesus' name. And everybody said...